Welcome to the Westside Gathering Podcast, and thanks for making the time to learn and grow with us. Here, you'll find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, let's jump right in. So it's election season, and when you're listening to uh, some of the leaders of the different parties, I mean, in essence, what they're trying to do is they're inviting us to listen to their platform, to read, you know, their principles and the principles of their party, because each of them are giving us a version of a foundation to build our life on. Now, we know it's not the ultimate foundation, but they're giving us a version of a foundation, their version, what they think is the best version to build our lives on, whether it's economic or social or medical or cultural. It's their version, whether it's the conservatives or liberals or NDP or other parties, that is basically they're saying, hey, this, is, this would be a good foundation for, uh, for Canada, or this would be a good foundation for a better Canadian society. And that's really what they're trying to do, right? And, and as I think about that, and I think about their aim and their goal, at the heart of it, th- this, is some, this is truth, right? Th- we, this is true about all of us. Everyone, everyone lives their life built on something, or everyone's life is built on something. That's true. I mean, regardless of what that is for you or what that is in society or how we nuance that, everyone's life is built on something and everyone's life eventually reflects what their life is built on, right? Everyone's life will eventually reflect whatever it's built on. And I think this is part of what it means to be human because to be human is to crave a foundation for our lives, now, we know that there's, you know, sometimes like movements that would try and ruffle that or say we, we should be able to do whatever we want or anything. But the reality is, is all of us in one way or another crave a foundation for our lives and for society. That, that's just true for all of us. I know that, I mean, personally, I crave that. And now how I fulfill that is a different story, right? How people fulfill that can be another story, but we all crave it. As, I was, as we were kind of uh, leaning, leaning into the fall season, um, early summer, and uh, I kept thinking about this phrase in the New Testament that came to my mind and my heart and in my journaling, and I was thinking about the fall, especially that we're still in a roller coaster type of season. And it's this short little phrase found in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 13, from the Apostle Paul to the church in Ephesus, where he calls them to or reminds them or highlights this idea that they are rooted and established in love. In, in, in the NIV version of the Bible, you read that word established, rooted and established in love. Now that, that short little phrase comes in the context of a larger prayer uh, found in the verses before and after. And if you've got your Bible, turn to Ephesians chapter 3 and we're going to read this prayer. Now, interestingly enough, when, when this phrase was coming to my mind over the summer and I was thinking about this series and talking with a few other people, throwing the idea around and trying to discern, it didn't dawn on me at first that, that you know, it's in this prayer specifically that we've looked at at Westside over the last, you know, 17, 18 years. It's like this is what our, this prayer is partly what our church was kind of built on and started with. Um, so... Ironically, it's kind of turning into a little bit of a, hey, this is a reminder of who you are, possibly. So here's this prayer from Paul, Ephesians chapter 3, starting at verse 16. He says, I pray that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant that you may be strengthened in your inner being with power through his spirit. 
and that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith as you are being rooted and grounded in love. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who by the power at work within us is able to accomplish abundantly far more than all we can ask or imagine, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. And what's the last word there? Amen. Well, did, was there another word? Did someone say, I don't know. Anyways, maybe, who knows? Maybe we got a different version. Like it says yes or something. I don't know. Um, so here's this prayer that, that this short phrase comes out of. Now the context of this prayer, here's Paul writing to this first century church in a town called Ephesus, this, this church that was planted and started to grow. Ephesus, though it's 2,000 years removed from us in the scriptures, Uh, in this time period, it's not unlike Montreal. It was a port city. And as a port city, they had a lot of people coming in and out. Sometimes we're oblivious to the port if we don't really pay attention to it. But we have a very bustling, hustling, uh, you know, port uh, business here in the city. In fact, it's even being expanded to a second location in Sorel. That's how much stuff comes through our city. Ephesus was one of those port cities where business and ships and cargo was coming in and out. It was a very business uh, central type of city uh, in the Roman Empire. It was a cultural center. And in some ways, it was very pluralistic in its spirituality. There was a lot of different groups with a lot of different beliefs. And that's why I say it's, it's unlike, it's, or it's like Montreal. I said it in the negative. It's not unlike Montreal. Why do we do that? I don't know why we do that with our language, but uh, it sounds good on paper sometimes, but not in public. But uh, and so it's very, it was very much like Montreal. And here's this church, this group, this community of Christ followers that's growing in the middle of this city with this kind of dynamic. And here's Paul's prayer for them. Pretty simple. If we, you know, we can unpack this so much, but in a simple way, he's praying that they would know Jesus Christ deeply at the first part of the prayer, that they would know God's love in Christ fully, and that they would know the power of the Spirit actively that they would know Christ deeply that they would know God's love fully that they would know the spirit's power actively and Paul as he's writing to this group right in the middle of this letter he's trying to root these new Christ followers and this growing church really in the gospel of of the kingdom of God this gospel that could be also called the gospel of reconciliation because he starts off the letter reminding them they're redeemed and now adopted into God's family so they're reconciled um, vertically with God and then the overflow of that into their relationships and so they're reconciled spiritually and socially with the, the, the initially the church community but then how they live out their life in the world and, and as Paul prays this prayer I really believe it's Paul's hunger for these Christ followers to know what it means to be a Christian to know it they might not have used that term so so much early on but Paul's hunger is for these Christ followers to know what it would mean, what it means to be a Christian, what it means to follow Jesus, what it means to be in Christ, what it means to, 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 to call Christ Lord of their lives. And the heart of knowing and following Jesus in this little catchphrase right in the middle of this prayer is that what that means flows out of love, flows out of love. Now, Paul often does talk a lot about doctrine or belief or, or thinking, but here in this, in this deep prayer, right in the middle of this letter, 
And this prayer kind of becomes like the, the center point of like the really great theology in the first couple of chapters and a lot of practical stuff in the other three chapters. Paul's saying like the heart of following Jesus flows out of love. That Christ would, and I like how the NRSV connects it to the, the Greek phrasing, as Christ, Christ would dwell in your hearts through faith as you are rooted and grounded in love. In, in the NIV version, which is fine, there's like a period there and it kind of separates the two items. But it's this idea that as Christ would dwell in our hearts or Christ dwells in our hearts through faith as we are rooted and established or grounded in love. And so here's this idea that we're rooted and established in love. We're starting a series today over the next several weeks just calling it established in love. So we can understand the foundations of what it, what, you know, what it means to follow Jesus. But the foundations of transformation, of community, of mission. Paul says though we're rooted and grounded in love. Like why use that word? And what's so, what's so big about that word? And what does it mean? Like, what is this love to get rooted into? And well, Paul gives us an idea. And I'm just going to use two uh, windows to help us get the idea that Paul is getting at. The first window is the, is the use of Paul's word father when he addresses God. Early in the prayer, verse 14, he actually says, like, I pray to the Father in whom all families on earth derives its name. So we, we get this idea that everything is rooted in God. And Paul addresses God as father. In fact, he starts the whole letter uh, addressing God as father. And early in chapter one, he, he addresses God as father as well. And even in chapter one, as we understand what it means to be adopted into God's family, even there we get this idea, adoption into a family requires a parent or parents. And in this case, God the father. And this is not foreign to Paul. Paul, even in Romans chapter 8 over the summer, we passed through a verse that says, you know, we call God Abba, Father. His Holy God's Spirit dwells in us and bears witness to our spirit that he's our Father. So this is really key. And Paul in Acts 17, when he's talking to a very, uh, I don't want to say secular crowd, it's a very pluralistically religious crowd, he, he subtly says, you live and move and breathe in God. So Paul's idea of who God is, is that he's the source of all things, but he references God as father. It's an intimate, deep, relational word. And in chapter two, verse four, he says that God is rich in mercy. And then is this beautiful phrase. He says, out of great love, he loved us. Because of his great, or because he's rich in mercy, out of great love, which he loves us. I love that. Which he loves us. And, you know, it would even go on to talk about in that great love, though we were dead in our trespasses, we were made alive together with Christ. I mean, this is, this is what Paul is thinking. But that phrase alone, that it's rich in mercy. Out of great love, he loved us. And this is a heartbeat of the biblical story. The biblical story which John tells us in one of his letters, John chapter, first John chapter four, that God is love, that God is love. Now, so many people often, they, they experience God in one particular way, and then they use that experience to say God is this or God is that. In fact, some people read through the scriptures and find a story about God, and maybe God is disciplining Israel, or God is bringing correction to somebody, or God is instilling wisdom somewhere, and they say God is, you know, corrective, or God is a disciplinarian, or God is wisdom. It's interesting because sometimes people will say, well, God is all about miracles. 
Well, no. God is, is those things. God is grieved and, and angered towards sin and injustice in the world that hurts us and separates us from him. God is, has judgment against evil and injustice. God is also a God of rescue. God is, is some of these things. But first of all, God is love. And out of his love comes these moments where he responds maybe with discipline, maybe with grieving of our sin, maybe with judgment of evil or injustice, maybe with restoring when restoring needs to happen. I think this is so important for us to understand because we can get caught up with one uh, label of God and say God is this, but the scriptures remind us that God is love. A guy named Bruxy Cavey, he wrote a book called Reunion in trying to articulate the gospel, and he has this, this really cool diagram, if you can put it up. And the diagram is, is interesting because the diagram helps us understand that sometimes we want to call God this or this or this or these things. We, I don't know if you can get it up there, Beth, but it's, it's this idea that like maybe God is wrath or God is anger or God is joy or God is something else. But the diagram then shifts to another picture that says God is love. And then out of his love, he responds in these certain ways. I guess we can't get it on this screen, right? That's okay. Go look on the podcast later or something. Not the podcast. You can only listen to a podcast. Check out the video later. (laughs) Um, So here's the thing. God, in essence, is not these things we list. God, in essence, is love. And out of his love, he appropriately responds with these moments. If if you're a parent, you might catch this a little bit. My, My kids know that in our home, at times, Frank and I will bring correction or Frank and I will bring instruction, or sometimes we might let them move in a certain way, but they, they could be disappointed in a decision. We're disappointed in a decision they make. Maybe we bring order at some point into our home because it's gotten chaotic for a moment. Who knows, right? But if, if those like moments of response identify me specifically as a parent, then I think I've lost If I'm only as a parent a disciplinarian or only as a parent one who brings instruction or only as a parent, no, I'm not just those things. We parent out of love and love leads you to bring order when there's chaos. Love leads you to bring instruction when it's needed. Love leads you sometimes to give room for your kids to do stuff and make mistakes. It's out of love. Out of his great love, he loved us. That, that's one glimpse that we're getting at when, when Paul says we're rooted and established in love. That's what, we're, that, that's what this love is, the love of a father, the love of our heavenly father. The second thing, and we can, we're only focusing on two, is the understanding that this love is expressed through Jesus Christ. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1, Paul calls us to love as Christ loved There's something about the love of Jesus, the the way Jesus loved people, the way he interacted with people that shows us his love. And Paul's like, he modeled your love after this. See, there was a love that's expressed in Christ that helps us understand the kind of love that we're called to be rooted in. And the biggest, best demonstration of this is on the cross. As we celebrated communion last week, again, we just put ourselves back in that story of celebrating the work of God on the cross. But the cross is a demonstration of God's love. If I held a cross up, or we were in first century Rome, and I'm like, hey, look at that cross, we wouldn't look at that cross and say, that cross is God's love. We wouldn't say that. But God used that cross in that moment to demonstrate his love for us. 
Christ's sacrifice on the cross demonstrates a love that already existed in God that God showed towards us. Paul tells us this in Romans chapter 5, verse 8. He says, God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. That's how God demonstrated his love for us. It's not just the tool or the apparatus of the cross. It's that God used that to deal with sin, to show his love for us, to rescue us. And this is why I want to say it this way, is because God was father before the cross showed up. God was merciful before the cross happened. Love existed before the cross. But the cross showed us what God already was and what God is. Love is shown by Christ before the cross, if you read the Gospels, and then is shown on the cross as you get to the end of the Gospels. The cross becomes the climax of his expressed love for us. And it shows us that there's nothing that God's love would not do for a broken humanity and to rescue us into his family, into new creation, into eternity. So what is love? Love is God the Father loving us and showing us his love demonstrated through his son, Jesus. His life, Jesus' death, and Jesus' resurrection. And Paul, in the, right in the middle of this prayer, says, I want you to know the heart of what it means to be a Christian, to be rooted and established in this kind of love. This is so core, so central. And see, there's, and, and this is the, it's so important because as a Christian or if someone grows to be a Christian or someone is following Christ or as a church, com a community of Christians, we are rooted and established in that love. And in fact, you cannot be a follower of Jesus and we cannot be a church that's not rooted and established in this love. And sometimes though, we can veer off and maybe do things that don't reflect that we're rooted in that love. And sometimes as Christ followers and individuals or sometimes as a church, but it's so important that what Paul's trying to get at is the heart of what it means to be a Christian. The heart of what it means to be a Christian community is rooted in the love of God the Father expressed in Jesus Christ. And here are these two images that Paul uses. And I want to just get into these images as we start this series today. So the first image is, is rooted. He, he, says, he says we're rooted. And so when I think about rooted, I think of gardens. And so I have this little, this pot, not little pot, this pretty big pot here. And so, so this, this for me is this kind of image of being rooted. We put our roots in soil. And if you wanted to actually, these days, apparently a lot of people are putting some of their gardening stuff in, or their, their plants in pots to have like really good soil. If you're in my backyard in DDO with all the trees around me, if I don't somehow take care of my soil, there's roots everywhere, nothing grows. In fact, nothing grew in my garden this year. It was like pretty horrible. But then you put something in a pot with fresh soil and just like boom. And so there's this idea, this image that Paul's getting at that we're rooted in love as a vegetable, as a plant is rooted in soil. And then love is something we plant our lives into. God's love is something we plant our lives into. And don't, don't think that this is simple because the soil we use matters a lot, right? Like the soil in my planters in my backyard stink this summer. And whatever's coming out in the garden is because the soil, the soil is horrible. 
And it's just, there's nothing there. I can't tell you the science behind it. I can just tell you, like, we have very little tomatoes. That's all I can tell you. So there's, whatever I'm getting is, like, found in what's happening in the soil. Now, my uncle, he lives down the street from me, and he, he plants uh, tomatoes from seeds, uh, and he grows tomatoes in his backyard. And this summer, along where he normally plants them, he, he was having a hard time even there. Then he, he noticed, like, on his pathway in his backyard, right in the middle of like two pavé stones near his deck, he saw this little plant growing. And at first you're like, that's weird. Maybe that's a weed. But they said it kind of looks like a tomato plant. And so, so they let it grow and they, they kept watering it. And, and, and you know, Beth will put a picture of it in a moment. And, and the picture's really cool because I went over the other day and, and I talked to them. And, sh- and my aunt's like, you, do you, do you know how many plants, how many tomatoes have come out of this one plant that popped out of the like the cracks? I said, how much? He said, 447 tomatoes so far. I'm like, what? So the other plants near the fence were doing horribly. This seed falls in soil that's probably hasn't had a plant in it for years. Super fertile. And all of a sudden just grows through the cracks and is still producing tomatoes over 400. And I have a basket in my kitchen. I'm very happy. We're going to make tomato salad later on. See, the soil influences the fruit. And the soil we plant our lives in influences us. And the soil that we as a church are planted in influences the kind of church we are and who we are. And so as Paul prays he's, and, and he reminds us, we are rooted. We are rooted in God's love. But here's the thing. We meet Christians and, and churches that don't always reflect the soil of God's love. Sometimes... They or the church, and I'm not saying that we're perfect in this because people could look at us and and obviously evaluate us, and that's fine. But sometimes it looks like there's other prominent ingredients in their soil that's not God's love. Or there's other ingredients in the soil of the church that's not God's love. And whatever's growing, you could tell us, I don't know if that's really the heart of God. I don't know if that's really what life is meant to be like. I don't know if that's what it is. And it's so important to understand that. The other image that Paul uses is this image of being established and grounded. And so I brought this Bosu ball, and uh, it's a hard thing to use. I, I, mean, I know there's like 100 exercises on this thing, but I think like I've gotten down to maybe two. But um, the funny thing with this, when Paul uses the word established, so we have first this gardening metaphor, and then we have this kind of construction metaphor. And the construction metaphor is more like saying, what are you building your life on? Like, is it strong? Is it solid? Is it, is it you know, is it going to hold you? Now, the funny thing with a Bosu ball is that this is re- like, if I'm going to stand on this, it's really good to like develop like my calf muscle right now, right? Uh, but, but, and the core, thank you, someone reminded me. See, I should like talk to Sanaz after. She can give me some pointers. So when I'm like this, this is really great to build strength on, but it's horrible to actually put something on top of it for strength. Like you wouldn't put like, you wouldn't put like a, like a, like a piece of board on there to leave your coffee on because it would fall, right? You wouldn't like, like put this at the corner of a room to build a foundation on. This kind of thing is great to build strength in your body, but it's horrible to actually put something on. So I wanted to use a negative example to show the positive thing that Paul is talking about because the idea is what you'd rather have there is something like a concrete block. 
Yesterday, I, I, like I said, I visited our young adults on the, the retreat up at Frontier Lodge, and I, was, I walked by one of the cabins, and as I saw one of the cabins, I saw, you know, the cabin is quite straight, but the hill is kind of slanted underneath it, and it's solid. I'm like, man, you know, how much this cabin looks old. It's been used for years. And then I took a picture of the actual concrete block that holds it up onto the left corner, and that was helpful because that concrete block in the left corner reminded me, oh, okay, I get it now. And I'm thinking like, you know, it, it looks a little flimsy from here, right? Uh, it's not like, really? But this has endured like summer after summer of seven or eight kids in this, in this cabin who probably jump and play games and push each other against the wall and, and obviously sleep in there and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, those blocks hold those kids up for the last 20 years. Like, that's crazy. But there's that, now if you put the BOSU ball there, like game over, those kids, like it, it would topple over, right? So that's what Paul is getting at here. When we need to be rooted like a garden and established on a solid footing into God's love. The rootedness helps us grow fruit in our lives and fruit as a church the, the, the concreteness to be established on gives us something to rest on and something to rise from and something to build on. And that's why it's so vital. But it's also vital in how Paul connects what it means to personally know and follow Jesus and be rooted in this love. How Christ dwells in our hearts through faith, right? He's praying, may our, our inner being be strengthened so Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith as we are rooted and established in love. In other words, how we experience a personal relationship with Christ is partly to do with if we're rooted and established in his love. And so we can say, I want to know Christ. I want to live the kind of life that Christ longs for me. I want to experience him in a personal, intimate way. But that, that goes hand in hand with being rooted and established in his love. That God would strengthen our inner being so Christ would dwell in our hearts so we, as we're rooted and established in love. So as we live in God's love, Christ lives in us. As Christ lives in us, we live in God's love. It's this continual way that we're rooted and responded, rooted and responding, rooted and responding. Christ lives in us. We live in God's love. And as much as Paul here in this prayer says that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith, so many times in Ephesians and other letters, he says that we're in Christ. So it's the both end. And you know, this is what your heart craves. This is what my heart craves. This is what the human heart craves. It's true that many in our world would want to reject it or be blinded to it or need to be revealed to who God is, but the heart, the human heart, every person we lock eyes with longs for this. And we long for it. And even in our walk with Christ, we long for more of it. And Paul prays that we would know this love that surpasses knowledge. I love how he describes it. Just listen as I, as I say it. I pray that you may have the power to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge so that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Somehow, knowing this love, being rooted and established in love leads to a fullness of God in our lives. And if we look through church history, 
the best moments of the church in church history is when the church lived out of that love. Yes, they had good doctrine. Yes, they had, you know, that solid sense of the scriptures. But the best moments of church history is when the church was rooted in God's love. And we don't separate God's love from doctrine and teaching, but that is the robust core. When, when the church in the first century risked themselves and served uh, a leprous community and risked getting sick, when Christians in the 21st century went over to Africa during the Ebola crisis and risked themselves to serve, when, when Christians in the first century went and rescued little girls that weren't valued in that time period and, 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 and pulled them out of garbage dumps, when, when the church opened up their closets in their home groups and said, this is a common closet, whatever anybody needs, this was all a church that was rooted and established in love. And when the church in the fourth century, the time when, when the doctrine of the Trinity was established, they equally were rooted in love as one of the bishops, Basil, was teaching and preaching that the whole church would, would help everyone in need. And that was the start of what we know as hospitals and, 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 and food banks and all that kind of stuff. Early back in the fourth century, the church in its best moments reflect that they were rooted and established in love. And that's, that's the hope for, for me in this series as we just embark on it this week and in the next few weeks that we would be established in the love of God our Father expressed in the person and work of Jesus Christ. I'm going to invite the team to come up to give us a moment to reflect on this, but think about this for a second, that we would be personally rooted and established in the love of God the Father expressed in Jesus Christ that we would corporately, communally, not just individually, because all of Ephesians, the word you is often a plural word in Greek. It's all of us. It's the church. It's not just individual. It's wonderful. I pray that you personally, and I personally would be rooted in this love, but I pray that we as a church community would be rooted and established in love and that this would become the foundation for how we grow and how we grow spiritually, how we transform, how we do spiritual community, how we engage uh, God's mission and participate in God's mission in the world. And I trust, I trust, I hope and pray that we, that we would discover the best possible source of our lives to be the love of God expressed in Christ Jesus. So I'm going to ask you to do this for, for this month as a, a very simple addition to spiritual practice. Trust me, like, it's easy peasy. Uh, you know, because you're maybe reading stuff or reflecting on stuff. And if you aren't, super easy step to start reflecting. So first is just that phrase in Ephesians 3.17, rooted and established in love. Allow that to become the words, the vocabulary of your prayers over this time that we're learning this, over this month and into the beginning of October, into this fall season, that we would be rooted and established in love, that that would just become some of the words in your prayers uh, on a daily basis. It's so simple enough, you can pause for like 30 seconds in the day and just lean into it. But then a, a little extra piece is that over this month, uh, maybe, maybe once a week or so or a couple of times over the month that you would literally just read the book of Ephesians. Read the book of Ephesians on your own and, and ask the Lord as you're reading it, Lord, help me to see the references of love connected to this beautiful, robust idea in this letter. I promise you, you'll find it in every chapter. You might even find it in every paragraph. And, and I know there's tons of other stuff in Ephesians and we've done a 19-week series on it, you know, several years ago. 
Catherine's looking at me like, yeah, that was a long one. I remember she was like, Dave, how many weeks are we going to do this thing? But um, so we could go deep. But, but in this month, just read Ephesians and ask the Holy Spirit to just, you know, lift your attention to these references of love because we're rooted and established in it. And, and here's why. So that, so that you and I can respond to this love. So that you and I can be rooted in this love. So that you and I can rest in this love. Not like, like on this bosu ball, because you don't rest when your foot's on the bosu ball. You're like, it's, you're just like, I'm thinking about a hundred things. You're trying to stay balanced. No, so we can learn to rest in God's love. We're established in it. And then like a building that is built on a foundation, we can rise from this love. That we as individuals and we as a church community can rise from this love, can grow from this love, can become who God wants us to be as individuals and what, how God wants us to express this in our neighborhoods and, and how he wants us to grow as a church community, even in the middle of this season, even in the middle of, you know, the, the whatever timeline of this pandemic we're in, you know, we, this is possible. The church has shown us over centuries that it's possible in good and difficult seasons, that it's possible in oppression or persecution, that it's possible in freedom or not freedom. It's possible to be his church, to be his people rooted and established in love. So we keep coming back to this. And as I was thinking about like an example of this, that um, I was thinking about how my wife sometimes is really great at like helping our kids come back to the source of things. I tend to be like, my kids do something, I'm like, really, I don't think you should do that. I tell them right away, you know, it's like, and it's like, dad, thanks for your opinion, right? They're already like young adults, so they can totally respond to it. My wife has a great knack of saying like, Dave, wait, let them figure this out. But then I hear her in conversations with them, like, guys, as you're making this decision, have you taken some time to pray and seek the Lord? Like, uh, as you make this decision, what kind of person is it, is it, is it leading you to become? Or, and so she's asking these questions, which is leading them to the source. It's not telling them what to do. It's leading to the source. And, and I think part of my heart for these next few weeks is that we would be brought back to the source. We're going to have all kinds of questions on what to do and how to do and all that kind of stuff. But if we can come back to this source and say, in the middle of this decision, in the middle of this difficulty, in the middle of this pandemic, in the middle of this whatever we're going through, in the middle of this relational crisis, in the middle of this, let's get back to the source that we're rooted and established in love. So that becomes the framework which we make these decisions, which we grow as Christ followers. So we have a soil to be rooted in and we have a foundation to be established on. Send them the link to the podcast. I have to do it again. Um, so, so yeah, so we have a soil to be rooted in and we have a foundation to be established on. Amen? Amen. Let's, the team is just going to lead us through uh, just a phrase or two of one of the songs we sang today just to give us some time, just to reflect, to think, to pray. Um, so feel free to listen or sing along as you do and uh, I'll come back and pray after that. Amen. We're going to pray and um, hey, maybe, maybe you've been um, learning with us or growing with us, maybe even online, you've been learning and growing with us and, and there's just a hunger in you to make a step into what Paul describes, you know, that, that, that Christ would dwell in our hearts through faith. He prays it, right? That, that God would strengthen our inner being. It means that it doesn't rely on you. You need to respond. You need to respond to this. But Paul is praying like, Lord, may your power at work 
draw us in, reveal yourself to us. And so if that's been you recently, and maybe you've been following, listening, growing, and slowly making these steps, I want to invite you this morning just to make that responsive step. Paul says earlier in Ephesians that, that, peop, that, that the, the people in this church responded to the message of the gospel and came into this relationship that then they were rooted and established in this love. And so I want to give you a chance to respond to that. Simply telling Jesus, recognizing in this moment that your life without him is dead, is without life is without the possibility of the fullness of new creation and restoration that you want to respond to him want to respond to his invitation to be adopted into his family to embrace the person and the words and the work of Jesus on the cross and the resurrection and the ascension that he is Lord so that step would mean you telling him I want you to be Lord of my life I want to turn around from the life I've been leading and living or the things I've been depending on or the sin that has separated from me from you and I want to trust you trust the teachings of Jesus trust the work of Jesus on the cross Trust the resurrection of Jesus as a new hope and the ascension of Jesus as him being Lord of our lives. I'll just give you a chance to respond to that, to say yes to that. God, we're so grateful for how you lead us and guide us, for how you reveal to us who you are for some even in this moment whether in this room or online have been responding recently or right even in this moment to put their full trust and surrender to Christ as Lord of their lives God we are grateful for that Lord I want to celebrate that and God we all celebrate and are thankful for the announcement of your kingdom the beautiful gospel of your kingdom. The invitation to know you and be part of your kingdom. And that you did what the law couldn't do to deal with the separation that exists in us. The lack of even being able to hear and respond to your voice, God. We thank you that you sent Christ to the cross. We respond to that. We embrace that. We believe in that. We confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. And God, help us, uh, maybe as a reminder today, or maybe for the first time, to be recognizing that we are called, and part of what it means to be a Christian and a follower of Jesus is to have our lives rooted and established on the love, on your love that is expressed in Christ. Lord, we want to plant our lives in that soil. We want to establish our lives and grow our lives from that foundation. Oh God, may we trust you in that, that it is the best source and foundation and direction for our lives. 
Christ's name we pray. Lead us over the next few weeks to explore this further and how it works out into our lives and relationships and church and mission. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message helps guide you on your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of Jesus. We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us? Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome, even if you're not into church or religion. We meet every Sunday, but you can also find smaller groups, environments, and resources for all ages between Sundays. Find out more at westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. We'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, ask for help, or let us know how we can pray for you. If you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com forward slash giving. Until next time, peace.